Good morning, Bridge. You guys nice and warm? Feeling good? All right. Or we could go back out in the cold or want to hang out here for a little while longer. So good to see you guys this morning. Thanks so much for coming out on this really, really cold morning. Uh, condensed it all into one service. It's kind of cool now and then. We couldn't hold us all, uh, you know, every Sunday like this in one service, but it's really nice on an occasion like this. I want to say hi to all you guys that are watching online. We got a lot of Facebook and emails from folks saying we can't get out today. Our perps are, pipes are burst. Burps or pipes? What You know, that stuff. Anyway, welcome you guys that are watching online. Miss Kim is in Virginia taking care of grandkids. She's watching online this morning. It is so good to see you guys and so good to be with you. Uh, as you may have figured out by now or heard, uh, we were supposed to kick off the Ripple Effect series today. And I got to tell you, I am, I am so pumped about the Ripple Effect series that, that as we talked about it, all of our location pastors talked about it, we felt like we needed to put it off a week because there would be so many people that were out because of the holidays. So we're going to kick off Ripple Effects next Sunday, next weekend, Thursday in Goldsboro, Sunday in all of our locations. And I hope you plan to be a part of that. I am really pumped about that series. For you, uh, as individuals, as followers of Christ, for your family, frankly, for our church, uh, because I believe God's planted a vision in my heart and our staff and, and our elders coming together in unity. We brought about 75 of our leaders together last fall and came to unity around this vision that I'm going to be casting later on this month. And I just believe God's going to do some amazing things, not just in you and your family and our church, but I believe God's going to use us to make a huge difference in the world. Anybody with me on let's make a difference? Let's make a difference in the world. Amen. So as I thought about and prayed about, okay, we got one Sunday in here kicking off a new year. Uh, what would be the best use of, of our time today? I thought a lot, quite honestly, about Pastor Andy's message last week. I've been visiting some of our other locations uh, throughout the holiday season. It's good to be home. But Andy asked some really important questions last week. He, he asked questions like, how will the world be better because you were born? Uh, and then he concluded his message, if you were here or in case you missed it, he concluded his message with the most profound kind of question statement is, 2018, if the Lord tarries, 2018 is going to pass. How are you going to be different at the end of the year than you are right now? How are you going to be better? How is the world going to be better? I learned that lesson uh, very poignantly several years ago when I made the decision leading the church in Chesapeake that the church had outgrown my capacity as a leader and I needed to go back to school. And, and so I, I went to Gordon-Conwell and applied uh, for their doctoral program in leadership development and, and I got accepted into the program and then decided I was too busy to do it. So I didn't follow through on that thing. About four years later, in fact, just over four years later, I got a letter from a secretary at the Gordon Conwell offices saying, I was going through old files today, and I ran across your file. And I realized it, that, that, that you were accepted into the program, but I don't have records of you having completed the program. Are you still interested? And I read, sat there looking at that letter, realizing that if I had followed through this would be a letter saying, congratulations, you have graduated. <laughs> the four years passed, and I hadn't done anything. I picked up the phone and said, is it too late for me? I'm getting in. Four years later, I graduated. You hear what I'm saying? The time is going to pass. The only question is, what are you going to do with that time? So today... Um, I, I just want us to spend a few minutes chatting about that thing. I do believe I've got a word 
for some of you that needs to be heard, perhaps a word that will challenge you, inspire you, help you. But let me just rephrase Andy's question uh, this way. If last year's New Year's resolutions were fulfilled, what would life be like for you right now? I mean, would you be thinner? Thinner? Yeah, I'd be skinnier. Yeah, for sure. Be richer, be more committed, be more intentional about your intimacy with God. I mean, what would be the deal? Pastor Andrew, our Mount Olive campus pastor, said it this way. He said, my prayer is, Lord, by the end of the year, I want my bank account to be fatter and my body to be thinner. (laughs) And Lord, with all due respect, please don't get it backwards again this year. (laughs) Here's what I I know, and here's what I want you to hear at the outset of what we're going to share today, okay? If you are in fact different at the end of 2018, and if in fact you make a difference in the world in 2018, it will not be because of a New Year's resolution you've made. It will not be because of a prediction. It won't even be because of a wonderful sermon that Pastor, Bryn, uh, Pastor Jim preached. I can't even think of my name. Pastor Jim <laughs> preached. You know what it'll be? It will be because of the thousands upon thousands Day by day, moment by moment, choices that you make in life. And oftentimes, the tiniest of choices, at least as they appear in the moment, become the biggest ones with the accumulation of time. You see, God has given us freedom of choice. He has not given us freedom from the consequences of our choices. Cause always has an effect. Andy Stanley calls it the law of the path. We think that a choice or a decision is a moment in time when, in fact, every choice, every decision puts us on a path that has a destination. And every choice that you ever make will determine where you're going to end up. If you decide you want to go to New York and you get on I-95 and head south, guess what? you got a long journey ahead of you going all the way around the South Pole to get to New York. Am I right? Because I-95 South doesn't go to New York. The question is, what choices are we making today and how, those, how are those choices impacting us and affecting us? So in the few minutes that I've got with you today, I, I want to go to a character in the Scriptures that's it's one of the more famous characters. He's pretty well known. He was known in his day to be the strongest man that ever lived. But the reality is that while he was, in fact, a physical specimen, he was actually a spiritual wimp. Of course, you wouldn't say that to his face, but, you know, it's been a while, so I guess I can say that safely. His name is Samson, and what we're going to do simply is hit some of the highlights of Samson's life, and specifically three choices that Samson made that took this physical specimen to a spiritual wimp, and maybe we can learn a few lessons from it. So choices and lessons from the life of Samson. We're just going to hit the highlights of Judges 13 through 16. If you brought a Bible, you can flip with us. If you want to go to the Bridge app, you can do that. All of the notes are there. All the scriptures that we'll be looking at today are there. Take advantage of that. And if you want a manuscript of today's message, just email us at info at bridgechurch.cc. Be glad to apply that for you. Let me tell you quickly, we're kicking off the new series next week, but we're also kicking off a season of fasting as a church. 
We'll give you a lot more detail in that, but if you go to the Bridge app now, you will see a fasting pamphlet or article or blog that I've written that give you an insight into fasting, help you to understand a little bit more about what biblical fasting is all about. So let me encourage you to get that, look at that. (coughs) Next Sunday, we're going to kick off a 21-day fast as a church based on the information in that app. Now, it's going to be important that we start next Sunday because if we don't start by the 14th, then we won't be finished with the fast by Super Bowl Sunday, and we all know we don't want to fast on (laughs) Super Bowl Sunday. So I'm telling you today to give you a heads up. We'll talk a lot more about it next week. But as a church family, let's just spend some time fasting and praying, okay? That God wants, what, what does God want to do in us? What does he want to do through us as individuals, as a church? What kind of choices does he want us to make in the coming year? Let's get into it. Judges 13, 24 kicks this whole thing off with a simple uh, word that says, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. Simply put, this kid was blessed from birth. This guy had it. He had good looks. He had strength. He had popularity. He had a godly family. In high school, he was probably voted most likely to succeed. I mean, this guy had it going on. Unlimited capabilities and potential, but he wasted it all by making wrong choices. Now, don't look at him, but we all know people like that. Am I right? Hello, are you out there? Is this mic on? We all know people that have come to those unlimited kind of potential, this amazing kind of potential, but because of the choices they make in life, (coughs) they never realize their potential. Well, if you're thinking about somebody other than yourself, I need you to hear me say, I'm probably talking to you. Because the truth of the matter is, all of us live beneath our potential in Christ, quite often because of the choices that we make and the life lessons that we refuse to learn. I've got to get into it in the interest of time, but I just want to unpack three choices that Samson made, see if we can learn from them now, build them into our lives so that we don't have to learn these lessons over and over and over again. We can fulfill the potential that God has given us. You ready to get into it? Choice number one, Samson chose to be self-indulgent. Samson chose to be self-indulgent. We're talking about being undisciplined. We're talking about choosing, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) to be controlled by the flesh and the desires of the flesh rather than being controlled by the Spirit of God. By the way, you know what the number one uh, resolution in America is? Hello, do you know? It's go on a diet. It's lose weight, right? You know what the top uh, justification for the Christmas pig out was? I'm going on a diet January 2nd. Come on, this is okay. I can eat another piece of pie, right? Why? Because it's hard to battle the flesh sometimes. Can I get an amen in the house? It can be tough, but hear me, guys. Anything that your flesh draws you in to do that you don't take control of will ultimately weaken you. Whether we're talking about your spending or your eating or sex or alcohol or work or emotions, whatever it happens to be, if your flesh is driving you, you've got to take control of it. You've got to be disciplined about it or it ultimately will weaken you. And we all have our pet indulgences. Hello, mine is apple pie and ice cream. I knew I was in trouble one day when I got a flyer from Food Lion, and, and you know, they always, they, they, they do this 
targeted marketing. That's why they give you the VIP card and they know what you buy. And I knew I was in trouble when I got this flyer and everything on the whole flyer was about apple pie and ice cream. I said, okay, they know me too well. <laughs> Samson's weakness was women. He was the playboy of the Old Testament. He had three chapters, three women, trouble with them all. I mean, it's just, you know, that's Samson. The first woman that he encountered was on a visit to Timnah. So let's pick it up. Judges chapter 14, verses 2 and 3 from the Amplified. Let's read it together, okay? So he went back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now get her for me as a wife. Now I want you to read that again, only this time I want to actually hear you, and I want you to get into the moment. Picture, picture Samson has come back from Timnah. He's seen this really, really hot chick, and now he's telling his mom and dad, because arranged marriage is the way things were done in those days, he's saying, I want you to arrange this for me, okay? So get into it with me. Picture it. Get it. Samson's talking to his folks. You got it? Come on, get your face like this. Mom, Dad, come on, you ready? Here we go. I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, get her for me as a wife. Man, I got to have this woman. Well, that's what he's saying. But his father and mother said to him, there's no woman among the daughters of your relatives or, or among our people that you must go and take a wife from the pagan Philistines. And Samson said to his father, go get her for me because she looks pleasing to me. I like the way she looks, Pastor Jim paraphrased. I don't care that I made a commitment to only marry within my faith. I don't care. I don't care what the cost is going to be. I like the way she looks. Make it happen. Even though God said, only marry within your faith, even though Samson promised that he would, even though his parents warned him of the consequences, all he knew is she's smoking hot and I want her. You with me? Are you tracking with me? You, you understand we're not just talking about Samson. We're talking about us. I want what I want. I'll worry about the consequences later. Did I mention that every choice has a consequence? That every decision, in fact, is a path that has a destination? Did I mention that? Here's how Samson lived. Just make it up as I go. I want my flesh to define it. i got to ask. Don't raise your hand. Sit real still. But be honest with yourself for a moment. You, you ever played the game just this once? You know, it's not that big a deal. I mean, everybody's doing it. I just do it this one time. Truth of the matter is, anytime you find yourself struggling with that, it's an indicator that you've slipped over to the fleshly side rather than the spirit side of things. Hear me. Little things have an enormous impact on our lives ultimately. Imagine that you're on a cruise ship on vacation and the captain comes on the intercom and says, uh, folks, I have, uh, I have some bad news. Uh, it's not horrible news. I got some news, though, and that is we have sprung a small leak. So our plans for the evening are dinner at 8, dancing at 10, bailing at midnight. That's kind of the announcement that comes up. And so what I'm trying to say to you is when you hear small leak, don't think no worries. Think, that's what they said on the Titanic. <laughs> small leaks sink big ships. It's only a question of timing. It's not if, it's when. Is this making sense? 
Galatians 6, 7, don't be fooled. You cannot cheat God. People harvest only what they plant. You have freedom of choice. You don't have freedom from the consequences of your choices. Let me illustrate it another way. Let's say that you decide this spring that you want to be yard of the month, and so you're going to redo your whole yard. You're going to redo the grass, and so you go down to Tractor Supply, and you go looking for some grass seed. You've done the research. You know what grows well in your area, and when you walk in the store, there's a big old sign that says, free Kentucky tall fescue grass seeds, and you go, wow, that's a deal. Then you see the fine print that says, contains a small amount of crabgrass seeds. Is it still a good deal? No. What I'm saying to you is that no matter what area of your life is out of control, whether it's money or sex or work or eating or alcohol or time, whatever area of your life that's out of control, it will eventually sink your life. It will eventually fill your lawn up with weeds. Lesson number one from Samson's life is strong people discipline their desires. Say it with me. Strong people discipline their desires. One more time. Strong people discipline their desires. Don't let the flesh define. Strong people don't say, hey, nobody's perfect. Everybody's doing it. They know what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I would be, this is huge, I would be a slave to my whims. And I refuse to be a slave to anything because I am a son of God. Anybody here rather be a son or a daughter than a slave? Anybody here in this house would rather be a son or a daughter than a slave? Come on. Samson chose to be self-indulgent. Strong people discipline their desires. Choice number two, this is huge. Choice number two, Samson chose to hold on to bitterness. Samson chose to hold on to bitterness. If you read his story, you will see this guy live in a constant state of, of vengeance, a constant state of anger. He was always reacting violently. He was a hothead, classic kind of hothead. Chapter 14 ends with his anger burned within him, which is a really good description of how he lived his life. Verse 19 says, he killed 30 men just for their clothes. I mean, this guy was, was just really angry kind of guy. But, but Judges 15, 7 probably describes his attitude as succinctly as any of the passages from that, from that section of Scripture. Here's what it says, 15, 7. Then Samson said to the Philistines, since you did this, I won't stop until I pay you back. You know what that says? It says that Samson was a reactor, not a proactor. It says that he made his decisions in life based on a reaction to current circumstances rather than an action based on who he's decided to be in his relationship with God. Is this making sense? Let me explain it this way. There are only two major approaches to how you deal with the circumstances of life. There is feel and then act on those feelings, and then think about how it turned out later. Or there is think about what's going on, act based on what you know to be true, and then let the feelings follow. You, you with me? So there is feel, act, think, or there is think, act, feel. Give you an illustration. See if it makes sense. You're sitting in your house, 
it's raining outside and you realize there's a leak. And you think, boy, I really ought to do something about that. You don't feel like doing anything about it. And so you think, ah, it'll stop raining in a while, won't be a problem. Right? Based on your feelings, you act by ignoring it. What are you going to think later when it starts raining again? Dude, you were so stupid. It's just going to get worse and worse until you fix it, right? The other approach is think, act, feel. It's leaking. I'm thinking about it. This is not going to get better. It's going to get wussa. Is that a word? It's going to get wussa uh, unless I fix it. So I got to do something about it, whether I feel like it or not. You act based on what you know to be the right thing to do, and you let the feelings follow. Now, when it starts raining again next time, how are you feeling? Feeling pretty good about yourself, because I got that thing fixed when the when the rain stopped, and now I got a rain going on, and I am fine. I am doing fine. What am I saying? Far too many people live their lives with, the feel, with their feelings determining their actions instead of their thoughts determining their actions. Am I saying there's anything wrong with feelings? No, I'm not. I'm just, we all have feelings. We ought to have feelings. I love feelings. I'm just saying that if life is a train, then feelings are the caboose, not the engine. What is the, what is the engine of a Christian life? It's knowing the truth of God's Word and operating according to the truth of God's Word. Learning what it says, understanding what it says, and saying, I'm going to do what it says whether I feel like it or not. I don't mind telling you on a personal level with all the things that my family's been through in the last three months, there have been a number of times when if I had operated in my feelings, I'd be in a fetal position in the corner of my living room. been tough season on an emotional level but I know that I know who God is and I know that I know that he's faithful and I know that I know that he loves me and I know that I know what he's called me to do and I choose to act according to what I know to be true not according to how I feel in a given moment is this making sense I got a feeling this is resonating for some of you right now you need it to resonate in your heart. But Jim, you don't know how those people hurt me. No, I don't, but that's irrelevant. If you say, I got to get even, guess what happens? You're here, they're here, you're getting even. You're not bringing them up to your level. You're coming down to theirs. Getting even doesn't help you. It doesn't hurt them. They're ignoring you. Even when, when Samson's uh, tribe tried to calm him down. Verse 11, he said, I only paid him back. I mean, just that was his attitude in life. You know, well, I have a right to get even, don't I? I have a right to get him back. When Andy was three years old, uh, Doc Hobbs, who's a close friend of ours, and his wife Connie and their kids were over at the house one night for dinner, and <coughs> uh, our, our two oldest sons were like three days apart, literally three days apart. I met Doc in the hospital when I was there when Andrew was being born. He was there for Chris to be born. And, uh, and Andrew, they're down in the bedroom playing while we're chatting after dinner. They're walking down the hall, 
And Andrew is crying bloody murder. He's about three years old at this point. And uh, he's crying, uh, crying bloody murder. And I said, Andrew, what, what's going on? He said, Chris hit me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you expect that from a three-year-old. But an adult has to learn not to act that way. If you do, it weakens your life. Weakens your life. Simply put, getting even is a waste of all kinds of stuff. It's a waste of your life. It's a waste of time, right? You're home stewing and fretting, and they're just off and having a party. It's a waste of energy. You do know that anger in and of itself is not wrong. You know that, right? The Bible doesn't say don't be angry. The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give Satan a foothold because of your anger. That's all it says. uh, Anger is energy. When you get mad, what do you do? What do you guys do? And when I get mad, I I, want to do something that takes energy. Kim cleans. Boy, I know when she's mad, she's cleaning cleaning the house hard. It's like, okay, what did I do this time? (laughs) You know, some people drive fast. Some people put their fists through the wall. I mean, anger is energy, it's this energy that says, I got to do something. I can't stay here. I got to move. That's not wrong unless you move in the wrong direction. You spend all your energy trying to get even, you just end up tired. It's a waste of creativity, too. It's amazing how creative some people can be at just, how am I going to get them? How am I going to get them back? Samson was, was incredibly creative at getting even. There, there's one story in this section where he. He caught 300 foxes, tied torches uh, to their tails, and lit them, and sent them out across the field. Don't try that at home, okay? Oh, and in case you're wondering, that is the origin of taillights. I don't know if you know that. That's just a little (laughs) side piece that might be of interest to you. Another occasion, he took out his enemies with the jawbone of a donkey, Killed a thousand men. I mean, he could have been more creative. He could have used a M16 or a sword or something. You know, but the jawbone of a donkey. And a lady come to me one Sunday and say, uh, "Pastor, God uses the jaw of a donkey around here all the time." I said, "Oh yeah, when? Every Sunday morning." <laughs> okay. <laughs> I won't be getting even because I'm above that. <sighs> Hear me. If the world used as much time and energy and creativity on solving the world's problems as it does at getting even, we'd prob- probably solve the problems of the world. Lesson one, strong people discipline their desires. Say it with me. Strong people discipline their desires. They are spirit-controlled, not flesh-controlled. Lesson number two, strong people restrain their reactions. They restrain their reactions. Say it with me. They restrain their reactions. Proverbs 16, 32 from the New King James says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. History tells us that Alexander the Great uh, killed his best friend in a fit of anger one day, and afterwards is quoted as saying, I've conquered the world, and I can't even conquer my own anger bring that home when Kim and I were first married and first pastoring in Duplin County back in the 70s. There was a story that rocked our county. 
group of men right there in Duplin County were playing poker one night, and one got the idea that his friend was cheating, and by the time it was over, he had killed his best friend. When they took him into custody, the reporter said he was heard to say, I've killed my best friend over a few dollars, and right now I'd give everything I've got to have him back. Strong people restrain their reactions. Got it? Got it. Proverbs 29, 11, a rebel shouts in anger. A wise man holds his temper in and cools it. How many of you knew chill out was in the Bible? Did you know chill out was in the Bible? So let's recap, okay? What week in Samson's life? Do you know? Oh, come on. Do I got to start over on this thing? His choices weakened his life. He made bad choices, and choices always have consequences. He chose to be self-indulgent. He chose to hold on to bitterness. So what lessons did we learn from that? Anybody know? Strong people discipline their desires. I'm getting really discouraged up here. (laughs) Strong people restrain their reactions. Third choice. We'll bring this home. Samson chose to live carelessly. Samson chose to live carelessly. He was strong, but his strength was from God. And the reason he had that strength from God is because he made three very specific commitments to the Lord. He made the commitment that alcohol would never pass his lips, that he would eat a special diet all of his life, and that he would never cut his hair. Now, hear me, that's not a checklist for you. I'm not saying you'll be strong if if you do those three things because his strength didn't come from his long hair. His long hair was just a visible sign of a personal internal commitment that he made. Does that make sense? Does that ring make me married? No, it doesn't. If I take it off, am I still married? Of course I am. That's just a symbol of a commitment that I made soon be 42 years ago. Now, if I take it off in order to hide the fact from you that I'm married, that's a whole other issue, right? But it's just a symbol of a commitment that I've made. That was Samson's problem. In time, he forgot his commitments. In time, he got careless about his vows. He compromised his, his values. He caved into his desires and his emotions, and he simply didn't take his promises to God seriously enough, and for him... Life just became about fun. It became about whatever feels good, do it. Again, he was a playboy, had a good time, toyed with temptation. His life was all about how close to the edge can I get without actually falling off. And his careless attitude kind of shows up in in perhaps the most famous of the Samson stories. I call it the barbershop chapter, uh, where uh, chapter 16, he ends up in, in, in marriage with Delilah, who has been promised really big bucks. You know this story, right? He's been promised really big, she's been promised really big bucks if she can find out the secret of his strength. And she makes four different attempts to do so. And so instead of Samson realizing that he's playing with fire, instead of realizing that he was being careless with his commitments, he toyed with it. He had some fun with it. Oh, come on, Samson, tell me what makes you strong. I really want to know what makes you strong. And he said, tie me with seven fresh vines that have never dried. He goes to sleep. Uh, She ties him up with those seven vines. The bad guys come in. He wakes up, and the party's over. Takes them all out, okay? Next thing you know, she's back at it. She said, oh, Sammy, baby, 
tell me, please, you made me look so foolish in front of my friends last time. They're all dead, but I got more friends. <laughs> so tell me, poopsie whoopsie, what is it that really makes you strong? And he said, oh, 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 uh, it's new ropes, brand new ropes. Now go get me some grapes. Sure enough, same thing. Falls asleep, ties him up with new ropes. Same story. He wakes up, bad guys are there. You'd think Samson would be catching on about now. <laughs> the elevator didn't go all the way to the top for this guy, apparently. <laughs> I mean, if I kept walking up, waking up to strange men in the room wanting to kill me, I think I would figure out Delilah, a little connection there, but he's just having fun with it. So she comes back again, and she says, oh, come on. Okay, if you braid my hair in seven braids, he says. You see what he's doing? I mean, he's playing with fire. He's being careless with the commitments that he's made. Finally, the fourth attempt, the Bible says, day after day, she prodded him to death until he was tired. Just kind of hear her just going at him, working at him, just little by little, wearing him out because he's listening to her. Proverbs 19, 13, a quarreling wife is like a dripping faucet. I did not hear a single amen from a single man in the room. I am so proud of you guys, I don't know what to do. Sammy, you made a fool of me three times. Then they turn on the tears, that's how it goes, right? Somebody said a man is never weaker than when a woman is telling him how strong he is. <laughs> Here's what I want you to understand. Samson didn't come to this point in one night. Carelessness with commitments weakened him over time. 16, 19, Judges 16, 19, she says, put your head in my lap, honey, and sleep. She calls the barber in. Samson woke up. And we have penned in Scripture some of the saddest words in the entire Bible. Judges 16, 20, then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know, read it with me, he did not know that the Lord had left him. He didn't even realize that his lifestyle, that his carelessness with his commitments, were weakening him little by little by little. Until one day he woke up and he was far away from his source, the God of the universe who gave him his strength. So what's our third lesson today? Strong people keep their commitments. Say it with me. Strong people keep their commitments. Can we just be honest with each other for just a minute, okay? Nobody ever plans to be a failure. Am I right? I mean, nobody sets out to be an alcoholic. Nobody goes to a marriage altar with the divorce plans already in their mind. Nobody handles their finances with an attitude that says, let's see how fast we can rack up debt and get buried under it. I mean, nobody does that. It's just decision by decision, choice by choice, little by little by little. We get careless with our commitments, and before you know it, you wake up and say, how did we get here? How did this happen? Two years down the road, three years down the road, how in the world did this happen? And it's simply because we got careless about our commitments. 
I've come to believe that strong people live and die by their commitments. So let me just say it to you as directly as I know how, as lovingly and gentle as I know how, but clearly, if you don't have any, if you don't have any responsibilities, you'll never be the strong person you want to be. You won't get there by somebody else getting you there. It comes by being responsible, by accepting responsibilities, by making commitments. And, and let me put it another way. Your strength comes from the commitments that you make. If you're committed to a bottle, then your strength is only as strong as the vapors that come from it. If you're committed to last night's party, the only thing you've got is the mess that's left over when the party's over. If you're committed to the Lord, you have a vast supply. Riches according to His riches and glory. People measure their commitments and determine their strength by doing so. A church is only as strong as the combined commitments of the people that call it home. I would challenge you as directly as I know how as your pastor that 2018 is the year that you're not just going to be in the crowd of a church. You're going to be the church. You're going to make some commitments this year. You're going to say, if this is it, I'm in. If it's not, I'm going to go find it. But I'm getting in. I'm going to be a part. I'm going to make a commitment because, again, your commitments ultimately determine how strong you are and our commitments together determine ultimately how strong we are. Are, whether it's the commitment to, to ownership, we call it, membership, tithing, serving, building relationships. Samson was committed to one thing, himself. If it feels good, do it. No commitment, no discipline. The result is he lost his strength. What he didn't realize is that discipline equals freedom. Undisciplined people are, what did the Scripture say? Slaves to their desires. i got to close. Let me measure these results as quickly as I can because there's a good news, bad news kind of thing that comes from all of this. The bad news first. The bad news is found in Judges 16, 21. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding in the prison. Like the old preacher said, sin is, is blinding, binding, and grinding. Rawr. I say it, the champion of Israel is now a sideshow. He's lost it all simply because of his choices. He chose to let the flesh, not the spirit, determine his decisions. He chose to let bitterness linger and, and getting even and reacting being the order of the day. He chose to be careless with his commitments, and one day he woke up having lost his power, his potential, and ultimately his freedom. But there's good news too. Verse 22, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now again, his hair wasn't the source of his strength. It was a symbol of his commitment. So what that says to us is that while he's bound and while he's threshing out this wheat, he's got a lot of time to think. He's thinking about where is God. He's thinking about I have made a mess of things and there's huge consequences to the choices that I've made and I'm living them out. But could there be a second chance for me? Nah, not for me. I went too far. That's too much. I've done too much. I've been too bad. But what if, what, what if there is a second chance for me? And in that, 
season of his life, Samson recommitted his life to his commitments, and the greatest victory of his life came on the last day of his life. Here's the good news, and I'll hush. We are sometimes careless about our commitments, but God never is. If we will confess, he will forgive. That's what he said. You see, the best news of Samson's story is with all of his foibles and all of his bad choices, he still made the Hebrews 11 Faith Hall of Fame, which says that if he can make it, we can too. But we have to decide what choices am I going to make. Will 2018 be a good year? It's going to have some highs and lows. Will you be thinner, richer, better looking, all that? I don't have a clue. But here's what I know. Your choices day by day, the thousands of them that you make moment by moment, will ultimately determine the path that you're on and determine how you are different at the end of the year. And it will determine how much difference you make in this world through this year. What choices are you making? Let's pray. Fathers, we pause for just a moment to reflect on what you, the Spirit, has been saying to us. Help us to be honest with ourselves in the quietness of this moment. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking, it's just me and you and God for a minute. What's out of control in your life? You may be able to hide it, but it's there. Your appetites, your habits, your finances, your morals, regardless of what it is, big or small, if it's out of control, it'll sink you. What's out of control? Here's one for some of you. Um, who are you carrying bitterness toward? But it's time to let it go. It's time to trust God to take care of it. It's time to turn it over to him. A parent, a boyfriend, a brother, a sister, a child. After all I've done for you, it's time to forgive. Don't carry it into this new year. What have you been careless about? More importantly, what are you committed to? And are the commitments that you're making, carefully and thoughtfully, are they moving you closer to God and to the strong person that he made you to be, toward the potential that you have in Christ, or further away? How are you doing in your commitments? Father, you see us. You, you know on this first Sunday of the year, we're pausing to kind of set the stage for the year, and I pray that each one of us is reflecting honestly right now on what you're saying to us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher and our guide. Remind us how much you love us, that this isn't a guilt trip. It's not a pity party. It's a chance to come to you honestly and get a fresh start. 
So you ready to pray, guys? Pray silently. Pray aloud. The altars will be open in a few minutes. You can come and pray down front after the service with some people who care, (coughs) if you like. But at the very least, would you pray a prayer with me now? Lord Jesus, I want to be controlled by your spirit, not my flesh. Help me. Forgive me for the times that I've gotten that backwards. Lord, I don't want to be a bitter person. Help me to remember that you offer forgiveness freely. Now it's my turn. In fact, I determine how much forgiveness you give me by how much I'm willing to give away. Help me to be a forgiver. Lord, help me to weigh my commitments carefully, honestly. And once I've made a commitment to you, Lord, help me to live those commitments out seriously, not carelessly. And I believe, I believe, positive profession of faith right now, I believe that as I live by the Spirit, as I restrain my reactions, and as I commit to those things that honor you, I will be better. The world will be a better place in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Thanks so much for coming and braving the cold today. It'll be 70 degrees in another day or two, but uh, (laughs) here we are still dealing with the cold. So please be careful out there. Thank you again so much for coming. Next week, we're starting the fast, 21-day fast. There's information on on the app, on the website. Please download that, print it out, read through it, see what the scriptures say about fasting. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And then we're also kicking off the Ripple Effect series that I can hardly wait to get started on. It's going to be cool stuff, okay? Father, thank you for uh, traveling mercies that's brought us to this place. Thank you for the people that have been watching online. I pray blessing over all of us as we go back to our respective places in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming.